Hello, everybody. Welcome to World One One Podcast. I'm your host, the Chocolate Dunder with Wonder, Mr. Eddie V. And joining me is the big red velvet. <laughs> I almost messed up. I just messed up. <laughs> the red velvet uh, Nordic beast himself, Big Papa, Mr. Larry Giver. They call me Black Jesus. <laughs> Whitey Ford is in the house singing the blues. Oh. Yes, everybody. This is what I'm ended up going to be at uh, Friday uh, later on, and I cannot wait for this weekend to be in Indiana having a vacation with Larry and eating a. Is this a what, what? What burger was it? Was it again? The sticky burger. The sticky burger. Oh, this. Uh, yes. Beef, pepper jack cheese, bacon, and peanut butter. Oh my goodness! Uh, mm, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, uh, we we have a lot of activities going on that weekend. Uh, and we're definitely going to be recording a show. Uh, and I can I just can't wait. I I'm I'm so excited. I'm so geek. Uh, just a lot of stuff is going to be going on. Um, unfortunately, our home. Uh, he's going to hate me for this one. Our huggable hombre, Mr. Adrian Nieto, wasn't able to make it. So uh, we do want to plug his stuff, uh, The Frozen Machine. You can check him out on uh, Facebook and on Twitter at The Frozen Machine. And uh, they have their game out, Tuna Cycle, on iTunes and uh, Google Play. So do check them out. Give uh, Pick up their game. Uh, let them know uh, how great the game is. Uh, post your scores if you do. Uh, download it, but we're going to get into the show. Uh, oh, we're not you for a minute because Adrian's going to end up listening to this later, and I'm totally going to throw this in here just to fuck with them because somebody gave me a brilliant idea the other day. He said, "You got to tell Adrian this." It says downloadable content for Tuna Cycle. It needs to happen. You know, right now, Lewis and Louise are picking up their stuff to go to their date. Downloadable content should be that Lewis and Louise are heading off to other events and they're picking up stuff for other events. And I shit you not the fucking, the, the example he gave me was Lewis and Louise are heading to a fetish night and they're picking up all their stuff. So here's the leather harness and here's the ball gag and here's the strap on that they got to pick up along the way. 99 cent DLC, make it happen. Adrian just finally have his hair in his head shaking it like what the heck man <laughs> um uh, I, I, uh adrian i love you you respond to that that's your that's our that's our co-host we love him very much but i'm gonna that's let you respond to that <laughs> i'm gonna let you respond to that <laughs> and if you have thoughts on what tuna cycle dlc could be you can email the show at world one one podcast at gmail.com oh straight hell so fast uh, thank but, you for that michael i appreciate that i told you i would bring that up and i i'm a man of my word if nothing else <laughs> Good one, good one. Uh, we don't have an indie watch uh, today, but we do have an indie reflect. Um, we're going to be talking about Alien Hominid. And just to give you guys some context about Alien Hominid, it did start out as a Flash game um, developed by the Behemoth. When it came to North America, um, 
It was published by O3 Entertainment, um, in Europe do digital publishing, and uh, the Behemoth. Uh, they did the iOS version also. Um, Dan Paladin and Tom Fup, those two created the game. Um, it was a flash game, like I said, but it did come to consoles uh, on PlayStation 2, GameCube, Xbox, mobile phone, Gizmondo, Game Boy, Advance, the Xbox Live Arcade, and iOS. Um, its release dates were November 21st, 2004, and it's a Contra-style game. You can play one player or two players. Um, I played the game on the GameCube. Larry, uh, you played it too, right? Oh, hell yes. Um, I, I had it on the GameCube, and I loved and adored it there, and I need to find another physical copy of it. I have it on my 360, uh-huh. but it's just not the same, you know? It's it's clean, it's fast, it's smooth, it's fun, but there's something to be said for having a wave bird in my hand playing that uh, glorious esque game. And it, look, and it still looks good on the GameCube. Like, oh, yeah. Again, I think a lot of that is very simply attributed to the animation style that they went with. That very, you know, hand-drawn, you know, ridiculous kind of stick figure-esque, looks like a five-year-old Druid kind of thing. And I love that fact. So. Yes. I remember, uh, and, uh, like, when you be part of the game, you get, like, different hats, like costumes and stuff. And this was actually, uh, and, and this is just my opinion, um, and I don't know if you agree, Larry, but this was kind of actually the first indie game to come to consoles. Like, I don't know what other indie game came to a console like that. It's definitely one of them. There's another one that comes to mind, um, and I, I want to say that Majesco had their hands on it at the time, but again, it was another one of those that came out for like, you know, 20 bucks brand new back in the, uh, the GameCube PS2 Xbox days. Um, there, was, there was another personal favorite of mine called uh, Future Tactics. Hmm. Um, I, I, I adore Future Tactics. Finding a GameCube copy is a little tougher, but you can usually find a PS2 copy for about $3. Oh, and wow. it's really good. Like, the story is excellent. I love the storytelling in it. Um, I, I love the fact that they give a, a broad story, um, you know, and they don't bog you down with filler just for the sake of filler they they only they limit the storytelling to here are the important events that happen and we'll just let you assume what happened in between as they're walking about on their journey is it is it future tactics the uprising yes oh my goodness i remember this game i didn't play I, let me tell you future tactics okay by crave entertainment because they they brought it i didn't know this was an indie I, game I, I would classify it as indie. This this is a fairly small title, you know, not a lot of press. I guarantee you not a big budget. For God's sakes, this came out of, I apologize, I was thinking Majesco, but you're right, this was fucking Crave, you know, of all things. Here's uh-huh. a company that's not known for much of anything, you know, and this was a gem because, you know, here's here's a brilliant take on uh, the, the turn-based, uh, you know, strategy game. Um, you know, instead of like Final Fantasy Tactics, yeah, you know, or any of the other tactics games where it's a grid base, you know, move three spaces, attack whoever you're standing next to, kind of thing, which is very rigid. And to me, it, yeah, it's got some chess like appeal, 
but it just for me doesn't hold the long-term appeal. Future Tactics had a very brilliant uh, take on it. They said, here's your character, here's a move radius, and you could wander around and run, you know, anywhere in that move radius. It wasn't grid-based. It's like, you know, here's a circle this big around your character, run around as you see fit, as you will, and, you know, you, you would move your character, park it, and then you had your, you know, your attack phase, which it wasn't just, you know, attack, you're standing next to somebody and whack them with a stick. It was a first-person shooter in a turn-based format, and your your reticule, you know, you could aim it, but it was kind of free-floating as well, uh-huh. as I'm sitting here gesticulating on an audio-only show, which nobody can fucking see what I'm doing with my hands, but there it is. Um, you know, and so it, aiming was a little bit tricky, but that was the point, since, you know, you're aiming at a stationary target. They found a clever way to make it work, and you'd take your shot, and, you know, the, you know, headshots were going to do more damage I mean, they they really did put some great thought into this and on top of that they had some phenomenal destructible environments like i remember there was one stage early on in the game where i actually kept one enemy alive and i camped out on an upper ridge somewhere and i just sat there for hours blowing up everything in the stage and like digging two stories underground you know by blowing up the terrain just to see how far I could push it. And it, it really kept going. I was like, wow, no shit. And it, it was good. It was kind of cheery and perky and it was unique. And the story, oh my God, the story was good. Yeah, I, this... just, I, I cannot get over the story. I cannot recommend this enough. For God's sakes, I, I'm sure most of you have a PS2 laying around somewhere. Go on Amazon or Half or wherever you go and get a copy. It you, you'll spend no more no more than three dollars. I'm, I'm gonna have to look for I'm I'm gonna have to look for a copy because I remember seeing this box art, but I didn't. It, it had multiplayer. You could actually play head to head with somebody else. Uh-huh. You know, one team versus the other team. I mean the the leveling the leveling system was great. You know, it didn't it wasn't super punishing. It was just enough to keep you interested. You know, if you failed a mission, you kept your experience from that, you know, on the retry. So you kept building. You didn't feel like you were fucking stuck. So if something was a little too hard, you know, if you kept plowing at it, you could still grind your way up to a point where it became manageable instead of just feeling stuck, frustrated and pissed off, which was great. And here's a little background history. Um, Future Tactics The Uprising is a turn-based tactical shooter video game by Z2. Once known as Pillage, this colorful turn-based shooter was stuck in development for a number of years before being picked up by Cray for a U.S. release, followed shortly by Joe Wood for a European release. It plays a lot like the Warren's 3D games and has a story penned by Paul Rose, who used to write the video game page Digitizer on Channel 4's Teletext. The game features a geomod system in which almost anything could be destroyed, leaving battlefields scarred by crates, uh, by craters. Um, it was released on PlayStation 2, Xbox, GameCube, and Windows. A Gizmondo version was planned but canceled after Tiger Telematics went bankrupt. Um, the story, the plot of the game revolves around Lo, his sister Pepper, and any other survivors they could find, trying to rid the world of the mysterious and malevolent creatures that are slowly taking over the planet. Yeah, I I remember this box art, and now it's I feel so good. Oh, I feel so bad not picking it up. 
You, you need so to find a copy. Yeah. Oh, like, I'm looking this shit up on Amazon right now. And uh, like Cave, Cave Story was another one. Um, that was the first uh, a, a we were game that I knew was Flash, but didn't play it until it came to consoles. Because uh, I know, I think he, uh, like, reprogrammed it or, like, kind of, uh, like, fixed it so it could be on the on WiiWare. Like, that was the first time me playing Cave Story. Uh, Dude, I'm looking at this shit on Amazon. You can get a GameCube copy for, like, $1.21. Nice. Well, uh, if you're a Prime member, you can get it for $1.21. I think if you're not, you got to pay probably... Uh, you pay like four bucks in shipping. Whoop the f and do. Get oh. it? Yeah, that it, it that's it. Get it? Yeah, just get it. So we uh, that's indie reflection. <laughs> Anything else about Alien Harmony, uh, Future Tactics, Uprising, or uh, K Story? I do recommend if you got a 3ds, uh, pick up that copy. If not, uh, it should be available in a whole bunch of platforms. Um, and if you guys know of other like indie games to be reflect on uh that came to console, uh let us know. Um I I would love to I would love to see how many indie games actually were were like indie flash games that were actually turn, did get a physical copy like later on down the line. Like I would love to I yeah, I need to check that. Um uh, and that that's go kinda continuing from our discussion from last week. So do check that out. Um that future tech this the uprising. I might get the PS two version. Um but if not, I'll probably still go get the GameCube version because I know our my Wii still works and I might play it on my Wii. Um uh, It's it's totally worth it. Yeah. So we're going to get into the show. Um, and our first topic is uh, talking about the death of C plus systems. And this means 3Duo, Amigo, the CDI, Atari, Jaguar. Uh, and I added the TurboGrafx-16 um, because these game, these systems came out during uh, the Super NES and um, the Neo Geo days and a little bit of the system the 64 like in 64 days uh why do you think these systems didn't survive like what made them like really die out first off no fucking quality control mm. like this this is the same thing that killed atari and damn near buried the industry no goddamn quality control you know there, there's a reason that Nintendo did so well and managed to not only survive the game apocalypse, but also, you know, rebuild a fucking empire. It's because yeah. they were they were basically fact checking all the shit that went on to their system, at least for a period of time, and that was enough to garner, you know, the the goodwill of the people in order to, you know, bring it back. And so when somebody saw something for Nintendo, they went, okay, I've got a fair shot that my money that I spend on this will probably be worth it. And, you know, even as that faded off over time, you know, it was still a a concept associated in people's heads, you know, for a long, long time to come. And, you know, anything outside of that just had a hard time getting traction because at that point, 
so many people already were on board with that. And at the time, the a second console was a very cost prohibitive thing, you know, especially for something like 3DO or TurboGrafx-16, you know, when you already spent the money to get a Super Nintendo and a handful of games in your house. Right. You know, that was extremely cost prohibitive. And you just between that and looking around and, you know, looking at the library of games on one of those versus either uh, a Genesis Super Nintendo at the time, it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Now, I'll I'll grant you, TurboGrafx-16 had fucking blazing lasers. Yes. It's the tits. Yes. I I wouldn't even say go track down a TurboGrafx-16 to play it because, for God's sakes, you can turn on your Wii and download it for, like, eight bucks. And it's totally worth it. Yes, I love that. And, and it's funny because I had, uh, my brother had the Sega Genesis. I had the Super Nintendo. And this is the the first system that I did to go out of the Nintendo family was the TurboGrafx-16. Because um, I play, I ended up playing both of them. Uh, playing Bunk, uh, Dungeon Explorer, Blazers, uh, Blazing Lasers, just, just a whole... Isn't Blazers... Oh goodness! Just a whole bunch of great quality games, and most of the games came from Hudson. Um, and they, uh, I mean, some games came from like uh, Dracula X was Castlevania. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, for the system, uh, that was for the CD, uh, their CD, the TurboGrafx CD, um, which was actually, if you think about it, the TurboGrafx sixteen had. Uh, had a handheld also, which had the TV turner, uh, and uh, the games that you bought for your Turbo Graphics, you could play on the handheld. Speaking of that, that reminds me, we need to talk about the Superboy for a minute because if you haven't seen this shit, it's uh... totally, my god, I need to get one. Uh, one of our local stores, and I'll take you there, actually carries them. Um, in store, but for those that haven't seen it, the Superboy spelled just how it sounds: S U P A B O A or B O Y. Superboy is a, a no shit handheld Super Nintendo, and it's awesome. I mean, it's it's got the right look, the right feel, you know, and you can jam your Super Nintendo cartridge in it and play it on the go. It's got you know, I think it's like a three point five to a five inch somewhere in there screen. Uh-huh. You know, it's not enormous, but it's enough to be fun and be competent, and it's it's awesome. It's a fucking super boy. You can find them online for like eighty bucks with rechargeable batteries to boot. So there, it's awesome. Uh, That's the my t- plug for the day. So whoever the hell makes Superboy, send me one. <laughs> I will review your product on our show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Uh, the Turbo Express was the handheld. I want one. Oh, I I remember having the uh, was it Super Game Boy? It was the Game Boy, uh, the attachment to the Super Nintendo to play. I've still got one. I've got one. Manual and fucking everything here, dude. Okay, I have got one. I'm definitely gonna hug you, like really, really. (laughs) Ah, you you might have a wife and a husband before uh before the end of the weekend. Um, come over. You're always welcome to stay. Oh my goodness. Oh yes, yes. Um, 
I know definitely for the three duo, uh, it had Street Fighter, um, and the trashy way of the warrior that's just looking horrible. Um, but that thing was like six hundred dollars. Like that and the Neo Geo. I mean, the Neo Geo I can understand because the Neo Geo was kind of an arcade system. Taking the like, you could take the cartridges uh, from a Neo Geo and put them into an arcade cabinet. Like, because they both were the same thing. That I can understand. But the Neo Geo was for two fucking things: Metal Slug and fighting games. Pretty much. I mean, they had some action games um, and some puzzle games, but yeah. They, shoot, I don't know how they cranked out so many fighting games for that system. I don't know, but for what it's worth, I mean, a lot of the fighting games they did put out were really good. It's just, you know, their Neo Geo was very um, focused on, like, those two things. It's like, we need fighting games and Metal Slug. Because of the popularity like, of Street Fighter. I want to do this other awesome game, and I'm pretty sure somebody at the corporate office for Neo Geo said, fuck you, get out. And, and, what's, bad, and what's bad is, like, those games are, not, like, the the platforming games, the shooting games, they're not that long. I mean, they're quarter munchers, but I'm like, if, if you spend time with them, you probably could beat them with 45 to an hour. And these games were $200. Yeah, I mean, bearing in mind, though, they were really designed for arcade units, which, you know, again, they're supposed to be quarter monsters. That's that's how it works, you know, and they, you know, on average, nobody's going to actually stand there for 45 minutes to an hour hunched over an arcade unit, you know, and so they, they assume that, you know, you'll pop in maybe a dollar's worth of quarters at most, play it for a little bit, have some fun and go, I'm done. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I love playing Fiddle. Like, Samurai Showdown was my game for the Neo Geo. Fiddle Furry was weird. I, I like the mechanics that they added on, but they they kind of didn't teach you. I mean, they t- taught you how to play the game, but I was just like, I, I need to take this home and study it in the, if I want to get good at it. Because the first time I played it, I was in Mississippi. And it was 25 cents, and I have never seen a Neo Geo cabinet at all. Until I seen it when I was, uh, I have actually left church with my family. Um, we walked to a gas station uh, where they sold knee highs because that's the only like the South were good with knee highs. Uh, they had the fruit punch, the strawberry, the grape, the orange. Like knee highs, the bomb. I love knee highs, and at, at, I mean they were selling it in the Midwest, but they had like. Right in the front, because they were only ninety nine cent uh, in Mississippi, and down here they was like almost two dollars. Like they was kind of expensive, but like down there they were like really cheap. And uh, going to this uh, like gas station convenience store, they had a Neo Geo there, and I played Fiddle Furry for the first time there. That was my first Neo Geo game. Oh God! What else do they have? Fatal Fury wasn't Art of Fighting one of theirs, and I think yeah. King of Fights was another one of theirs, wasn't it? Or yeah. am I thinking wrong? No, you're right. Art of Art of Fighting, King of Fighters, because uh, King of Fighters was the Godzilla Master ones. Was it? Yeah. I mean, it was in that style because you played like a lizard, a mammoth. I mean, a moth. Like, 
It's like it was like three. I think uh, King of Fighters was the one with the what's his nuts with the fucking trucker hat. Or is that, that art of fighting? That's fan of furry. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's Terry. There's too many, and I can't keep them all fucking straight anymore. King of King of Fighters, uh, World Heroes, Samurai Showdown, uh, Fan of Furry, um, uh, I, no, King, no, King of Fighters is, uh, where they're like it's the three, I think it's the three player, uh, like the three team match one. I have to look it up. I'm gonna look this up later. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so. King, the King of Fighters was uh, the fighting game where um, it's it's three people from a certain series that are like uh, multiple from multiple fighting series that you select to make it as a team. That's King of Fighters, yeah. Th- but there was a monster okay. one. There, there, because there was a monster huh. one. Because that's where you have Mia with the monster breasts. But yeah, back back to topic on hand though. No, like I said, these these things died because you know two two major systems had already made it into people's homes, and you know adding another was extremely cost prohibitive because the a the technology that these things were pushing and b the library just wasn't there to justify it for most people. Right. You know, and it, there there was some there for some, but I. I think that was a big issue for them is that they just couldn't get the the library off the ground. And I, I think a lot of it got stuck in a catch-22, like what we're going to see with some other things coming out. But, you know, they, they looked at it and went, you guys don't have the install base for us to make games for your system. And the system wouldn't sell because nobody was making games for the system because there wasn't, you know, enough systems in people's homes. So round and round you go, but you end up stuck in the same position. And, so, and, and I feel like the TurboGrafx-16, if you couldn't get a Super Nintendo or a Sega Genesis, I think the TurboGrafx-16 had good value in its price because uh, they had some really good. They had really had some good games. I still love the control, like um, having a rapid fire, you know, already built in. I'm like, that's that, that's cool. Uh, Splatterhouse was good. Bunk was good. Like, and they really advertised it on TV. That's what made me want to get it. I'm just like, you know what? Let me get a, a TurboGrafx-16. Let me go outside of Nintendo and get this system. And I enjoyed it. I got to play Vigilante and beat it <laughs> because I didn't beat that the arcade. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, I, I do think, though, that there just wasn't enough enough of them out there to really garner any major nostalgia for it. And as a result, I don't think we're ever going to see anything like that come back again. You know, much like we have a two party political system, we have a three party console system and really, you know, we've, we've seen in recent years attempts of people trying to break into that Mm -hmm. and, you know, be, be the independent and really get their foot in the door. And it just, it doesn't go anywhere. You know, Ouya had a, a real good shot at it. Yes. And just couldn't deliver. You know, by the time it hit the market and we saw what was actually there for it, it just didn't deliver. You know, it, it was underpowered for what anybody wanted, which I, I think it's really a shame. You know, because for me, Ouya, 
at least in in theory, when this was still, you know, an in theory thing for a lot of us, you know, Ouya was one where I looked at and I went, this is a really neat machine. And I could, you know, if it has the, uh, if it has the guts for it, you know, this could be a great little, you know, indie box. Like I'm sitting there thinking all the shit that I've got on like Xbox live arcade, you know, if I didn't have to buy a $200 console to get at it, you know, if I could spend a hundred bucks for this little box and be able to play my downloadable titles, you know, I, I, that would have been fucking brilliant. You know, I, I would have been perfectly happy with that as a little indie machine. And that would have been awesome. But, you know, and, and by the same token, you know, here was a machine that was promising and had the potential to be that great indie device, too, because every kit was unlocked to be used as a dev kit as well. Exactly. And, and then it came out and A, the controller was garbage and B, you know, it just it it was an underpowered machine that you know it, it was barely more it was barely as competent as you know uh, any standard cell phone at the time, and that just doesn't cut the mustard for something like that. Because wasn't you know? it using, using like Android? I know it's using Android's uh, operating system, operating but I just don't know. Yeah. I don't know which one it was using at that time. Because they then they say you could also um, custom like custom make it whatever you want like you could take the ops uh the insides out and put whatever you want in and make it the system that you want it to be i don't remember that in there but at this point i mean like i said they they had big hopes and aspirations and it failed to deliver and i think that's that's the biggest thing that kept them from being able to really crack the market you know, because it, it really was getting a lot of love, a lot of love in, in principle, you know, while it was in the works. And then when it finally got into people's hands, they all went, eh, oh, oh, well. Because that's kind of how on live was, that on live system, you know. Oh, God. And, yeah. uh, and now I think even the Steam systems that was supposed to be like such a big thing for a console, like. It got released. I don't know who owns one. The talk about that thing is dead. Like, people talk about the control. Like, my friend, he has the Steam controller. But as for a Steam console for the home? Well, that's that's something that was coming out, you know, in a, in a staggered format. Because it wasn't just one Steam, you know, box. And that was it. They had, yeah. you know, a couple variations. It was basically... A, a desktop built to be hooked to a, an HP TV. Obviously, with any desktop, you know, there are lots of various options as you custom build this shit. And so, you know, some more expensive than others. And again, I think this is something that it, I don't think, I think they were going to have a very hard time finding the right market for that. Because either A, you know, anybody that was really big on it um, and really wanted to play it on their HD TV probably had their their tower hooked to a tv already anyways you know it's you know it's essentially a box that's just as expensive as a gaming rig pc but with more limited functionality and i think people had a hard time seeing the value in that you know as far as the steam controller goes it's it's a nifty idea i i think if they could have made a universal box that said this will play 
95% of all the shit that we've got on Steam, you know, fixed mechanics and, you know, one price and it was reasonable. Yeah. And they mass produced it. I think they could have done better. They could have turned it into a console, you know, and cracked the, the home console market that way. But Valve didn't want to do that. Steam didn't want to do that. And, you know, that's that's their prerogative. That's fine. But I just on top of that, too, I don't think Valve really wanted to get into the hardware side of things, which is why, you know, they had a, other companies like Alienware get involved on the hardware building side. So it, but I, I think they... it'll be a long time coming before we finally see anybody figure out how to really crack the the three party uh you know console market at this point because i think uh well i don't want to say oculus rift and other like vr headsets are trying to crack in like like i i I only look at those as extensions of like pc market yeah that's all it is it's it's not anything that's going to really really crack into the the home console market it's just not well, C plus systems, you were great when you were available. Uh, no, C plus systems, you were okay. <laughs> right, because there are C plus, um, and we would not speak of the Legend of Zelda for the CDI. That's just that's, see, we weren't gonna, but then you had to fucking say it, now, didn't you? No, just in case you people, just fucking had to say it. Just in case somebody was just like, "Where? Why didn't y'all talk about the CDI?" Because we didn't even talk about the Amiibo, the Atari Jaguar. I, I remember EGM someone took the Atari Jaguar and made it to a dentist, a dentist equipment, like, <laughs> and it, they, 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 uh. Um, colored it all white and somehow used it as like some kind of dental equipment. I was just oh, like, wow. And and that controller was some ugly. That shit. So, well, oh, well. Yeah. So we're going to get into uh, some World 1 1 newsicles. And what that is, it's just World 1 news. Uh, news for your ear. For you to listen to. Um, what? in your ear holes <laughs> yes um the first um news story we're going to talk about is the am2r uh this which is another metroid 2 uh remake um it's available now uh i believe this story comes from um where all our stories are coming from Destru- uh destructoid so do check out that website um and just show it's some love. places so not just detoid oh well well, just this, our website, uh, I mean, our, not our website, <laughs> our podcast is using their um, their stuff. Um, Larry said you, you downloaded it, but you haven't played it, but you played a little bit in the past. Um, and this is a remake of Metroid 2 for the Game Boy, correct? It is, and it's, it's a nifty remake. Um, I, I have been watching it over the last number of years, and it's it's been in the works for a long time. Um, so the, the basic rundown is, uh, this guy rebuilt and kind of reimagined it. It's kind of the equivalent of going from Metroid to Metroid zero mission. And uh, it's a particularly pertinent example because a lot of the, the assets used are, uh, from zero mission to rebuild, uh, Metroid two 
in a much more vibrant, um, you know, more up to snuff uh, edition. For me personally, and I, I know I'm way out of fucking left field on this one because nobody else feels the way I do about it. I understand that because I'm fucking weird, but there it is. Um, for me, putting this into um, a, a Metroid Zero Mission-esque context mm-hmm. loses what made Metroid 2 special for me. For me, I loved the fact that it was desolate and bleak and barren, and, you know, there there wasn't much to speak of in terms of music. It was just, you know the sounds of things creeping around in pitch black backgrounds that you couldn't see the backs of caverns because it was fucking dark and underground and shit. And it was very tense and claustrophobic. And I liked that fact and bringing it into that very bright, colorful, vibrant, uh, zero mission motif, I think loses a lot of that magic for me personally. Now that being said, um, I like Zero Mission. I do. I think Zero Mission was a spectacular way to retell the original story mm-hmm. uh, and update it in, in a in a correct manner because it it fit that better. Um, but here, I I don't think it's the best fit. Now that is not to knock this project because this project is tremendous. Uh, like I said, I, I have been keeping an eye on it for years. I haven't gotten to actually play through the finished product yet, but like I said, you know, I've, I've played through some of the demo builds, you know, uh, that have been out there and, uh, it's, it's a really well done project. It's very cool. Now, uh, I will say, um, I've kind of been watching this over the last day or so as this has gone up and, um, one of the, the prominent places to get a hold of it was, uh, the Metroid database website. And Nintendo has already uh, issued out a, uh, a takedown notice for them, so they had to remove the link to that off of their website, which, well, Saki is actually probably good for their website because apparently it was a huge strain on their fucking bandwidth because everybody was going after it at once. Uh, that being said, a quick Google search at the moment will still um, bring up uh, the actual project's website where you can download it. Uh, assuming that Nintendo doesn't get to that by the time we get this episode up at some point this week. Um, but yeah, it's honestly, it's really the, the only thing that we are going to get to celebrate the fucking 30th anniversary of the series. Happy birthday. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a shame and it, it only makes me sadder because we are weeks away less than a month fucking weeks away from federation force coming out you know this month too right and you've got a a major you know you've got a 30th anniversary for one of your tentpole franchises and you are weeks out and you're doing nothing to raise any fuss about this you know about your new game coming out for this series that's you know running a, a big anniversary it's it's ungodly disheartening and everybody in the in the metroid community is said the same thing that this is bloody ridiculous which you I, know but that might be more on acknowledgement at this point which they they won't even give they might that might be more on nintendo japan uh than america but somebody fucking get on it 
Right. Because my thing would because my thing would have been like Thursday, thirty percent off all the Metroid games available for um, Metroid One, uh, Metroid Two on the uh, 3DS, uh, Super Metroid, uh, the Prime Trilogy. Uh, that's on. That's available for sale. Um, I they don't have Mother uh, Metroid Other M on it. Uh, they do have Fusion. They do have Zero Mission on on Wii U. Like throw a thirty percent on it to celebrate the thirty years. Got stuff on Wii U too as well. A uh, Metro Other M. No, I think they've got Hunters up on uh, Wii U though. Yeah, they so. do. Yeah, I think that one. I think they just released that like maybe t- I think two weeks ago. Or something if that uh the the other little under the radar metroid title too for the uh the original ds go find a copy of pinball because metroid prime pinball was fucking awesome oh i never played that one yeah oh dude you come next week i'm busting that shit out for you it was awesome It's literally getting metroid prime in a pinball format it's ungodly Mm. clever so but yeah that you you can find a copy of Pinball for fairly cheap at a used store somewhere too, but yeah, get get a copy, it's yeah. good. I, I still um, I know I still need to uh, buy uh, Metroid Two: The Return of Samus for the, on the 3DS. I that's the yeah, only Met- yeah, that's the only Metroid game I have not played, but uh, I need to fix that and I need to get it. Um, I think I'm gonna that's wait for this week, dude. Go spend like five bucks on your 3DS and get it and play it and be done with it by the time you get here on Friday. Uh, <laughs> but there's so much stuff I gotta play. Yeah, I, I need to do that. You can rip that up in a couple hours, trust me. Uh, um, so our next topic is um, Shantae and the Pirate's Curse is getting a retail for the 3DS on the, uh, and it's also releasing uh, Shantae to have Jenny Hero um, uh, as a release, um, on September 27th, uh, that's the release date for both of those games, and in Europe, it's gonna be September 30th. Um, the retail release will feature a new arcade-style game called Super Shantae Knob, though no details of what actually that is have been released at this time. So, um, two Shantae games are coming out for physical release, uh, next month, um, I, I will say Shantae and the Pirate's Curse is a really, really good game. I've owned it. I own it on Wii U and I own it on 3DS through the Humble Bumble, which I, which I'm glad that Nintendo did that the uh, during the Nindy. Those that have been pretty good, actually. Yeah. Well, hopefully they do some more because I, I, um, I actually paid like ten dollars, um, and sometimes and I think if they do another one. Uh, like if even if they like do on Earthbound or, or well no they they do mostly indie stuff so like but if yeah. they if they do uh I mean they do on Dark Siders and I'm just like okay that that's cool I mean and I didn't get that package because I had already owned Dark Siders but if not I should have kept it and just be like anyone who listens to the show answer this question you guys could get it uh, but I think if I own the game. Um, already and i do you know support uh the uh the nintendo humble bumbo uh when they bring it back um i'll probably put out put out the code be like okay you responded here's the code and there you go or i'll yeah. let you guys be the first yeah i think decision. we need to start doing like some some contest and giveaway shit I, i'm sure we can find some random things to to dole out here and there but 
Yeah, so um, just a little. That was just a little bit. Of, uh, I'm just glad that they're getting a physical release because that game is good. I don't know how much it's going to cost, um, but uh, the Half Genie Hero I do want to play. Um, I'm. I don't know if I'm getting it at my job, but if it if it does come in at my job, I might get the physical. If not the physical, then I'm definitely going to try and get the digital copy. Because um, that that the Shantae games. I feel bad getting into the series really late, but they are really good games, really good platforming games. I'm not going to lie. I'm a terrible person. I have not played any of them. Don't worry. It has a, it has a niche uh, following, but they are really good, and it's getting better. People are really recognizing it, and uh, uh, since they're putting it on more systems and stuff, people are enjoying it. So, um, shout out to I, it does get a lot of love whenever news of it, you know, comes around. I just, it's one of those things I look at it and go, I should check that out. I will. Eventually. <laughs> so, Ubisoft may be having loose lips about the NX. Uh, this story says other surprises in store for the NX, says Ubisoft. Um, following Ubisoft CEO Yeez Guillermo. Uh, comments about how the NX is really great and will help the industry to continue to grow and to take a lot more casual players back to the industry. Executive Director of EMEA, Alan Kaur, says the company has other surprises in development for NX besides Just Dance that we will announce later. Uh, and everybody is hoping for uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2 and the Ubi Art Raymond version. Y'all can keep hoping for that shit. That will forever be the carrot at the end of the stick that you will never, ever get. Oh, this is a kid. Ubisoft puts that shit out. They can't go, well, if you want us to put out Beyond Good and Evil, you have to buy this game. It will forever be the carrot, and uh, all you're ever going to get is the stick. So, um, Core also explained to GameIndustry.biz that the publisher believes Nintendo has the power to event we invent the way families are playing, which is a curious statement indeed. Nintendo is a fantastic powerhouse of brands that are really cherished by a lot of fans and families. I'm still impressed by the reoccurrence of success and appetite even today for the Nintendo franchises on the current system. Uh, in other words, um, you're shocked that Nintendo is still making games for the Wii U. And selling a lot where your games are still broken and people are not playing them as much. Yeah. That's so, so first off, let, let me start by saying, fuck you, Ubisoft. Anything that you have to do with Nintendo, unless it's Rayman at this point, fuck you, fuck you, and fuck you. Rayman is the only decent thing that you've really brought around at least for my money, in the last number of years. You know, they they came out and they... God, the last two console generations, they've come out and toted, you know, we're going to be a huge partner with Nintendo, third-party support, woo! And pretty much all that we ever got out of it in terms of, you know, Nintendo stuff was either broken-ass shit or them just vanishing off the map. And it's... Uh, God, it's... Fuck you, Ubisoft. Is it I'm bad? It, over. Is it bad that um, I think there's there's two Ubisoft. Well, 
I'll wait for Watch Dogs too. I don't know why I'm not. Yeah. Um. But the Ghost, I think it's Ghost. I know it's not Ghost. It's one of those games. That's one that I'm going to get uh, so I can play with other people so we could talk about it and do a personal review. It's more for optional opinion than it is for personal enjoyment. But I, that's that's the latest thing. Um, we're, let's just get into our last story because Ubisoft uh, is in all oh, areas laying down. He looks such a cute baby. Oh. I'm fucking comfortable. I worked hard today, damn it. You you do earn it. Um, well, don't fall asleep on me, Chester. I'm, I'm just comfortable. There's a difference. Okay. Well, you might get a little bit comfortable <laughs> for this one. Uh, sex offenders in New York are now forbidden from playing Pokemon Go. And more fun facts. So this story I have to read, so please bear with me. If you're a sex offender in New York State, then you're no longer allowed to enjoy Pokemon Go. Not only because the step the step concert has been removed and you can no longer cheat, but because your governor says you can't. Governor Andrew Cuomo released a statement on the plan noting that protecting New York's children is priority number one and, as technology evolves, we must ensure these events don't become new avenues for dangerous predators to prey on new victims. These actions will provide safeguards for the players of these augmented reality games and help take one more tool away from those seeking to do harm to our children. The the ban applies to nearly 3,000 offenders currently on parole in the state, and Cuomo has even gone on as far as having his people reach out to Pokemon Go developer Niantic, Apple, and Google to give them a list of registered sex offenders. This decision comes after an informal investigation by senators that found 59 out of a sample of 100 sex offenders living in New York City, city lived within half a block of Pokestops. Some location, locations were even at sex offenders' residences. One of the senators, Jeffrey D. Klein, called the game a virtual roadmap to our children. Concerns about predators using the in-game lure items to lure children to their residence were also noted by the governor's office. While I think this is a good-hearted move by the governor, if not a bit overprotective, I also think there are far more sudden dangers to tackle, like preventing 13-year-olds from easily buying guns. Um, and this story was from Jed Whittaker, so I just read what he wrote. Um, oh, for God's sakes, where do I even start with this nonsense? Yes. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph Stalin. Um, so, first of all, at this point, you know, if, if you're so concerned about sex offenders and augmented reality shit, where were you when fucking Ingress came out? Ingress was there first. You didn't care. Exactly. All you want to do is raise a little ruckus because it's good for fucking PR. Move on. Uh, Second of all, there are major, 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 major issues with any state's sex offender registry list. Uh, It's well intended, but it goes beyond the scope of intelligence. Um. I, I know people with stories, and it's uh, long stories, but, you know, there are too many ways to get on there for things that just should not be. And uh, in addition, I would say good luck getting Niantic to cooperate with this. 
I'm sure they've got plenty on their plate already trying to fix their fucking broke-ass game. Yeah. Uh, which, in addition, uh, you're, you, Niantic is also on my fuck you list this week, too, uh, because I had to swap out my phone um, with a replacement and went to re-download Pokemon Go and tried to reload my account with all the shit that I had, you know, caught so far. Yeah. And I can't get my fucking uh, account to reload onto my new phone. So I quit playing Pokemon Go. I'm not starting over. Uh, fuck that shit. And Niantic has been no help in uh, helping me recover my old account so I can get back to the shit that I had already started. So fuck that. And that's why I'm, I'm not playing done. Pokemon Go. Go. So uh, I enjoyed it for the, the few weeks that I fucked around with it. I was like, oh, this is nifty. And I went and I played at the park a couple times and... Uh, now apparently this is my signal to be done because Niantic is no help. Now, now, question about the sex offender part: If they buy a phone, do they have to register it or and or anything? Uh, uh, truth be told, I have no idea. Because um, I'm just like, how? I'm like, how would you even know? Like, there's no way to lure people. I don't think in Pokemon Go. It's just like, how are you going to lure them? It's just like, wait. Yeah. Huh? I'm like, and I'm sorry. The simple fact of the matter is, is there are more adults playing this game than there are kids, kids. for God's sakes. I mean. Like, this is a grab for attention. You know, this, this is the, and will be at least for a little while longer, I suspect. Um, this is the, the new, you know, video games are bad. Uh, we must ban this thing, you know, grab for attention from apparently people and, you know, politicians and lawmakers in New York, because apparently they don't have anything better to do, which I, I find shocking because I've watched Law and Order all my life. Are you kidding? There's a new horrible crime every fucking week. Pretty much. You guys have plenty to do. Go get busy. You, uh, how many Law and Orders are there? There's Law and Order and like Criminal Tet and SVU and all that shit. It's, right no, now, it's just SVU, SVU. But it, you know what? There, there's clearly enough shit going on in New York. You guys don't need to worry about Pokemon Go. Right. And I'm pretty sure that whenever uh, Niantic gets that letter in their office. A couple people in the legal department are gonna look at it and laugh real hard. That's if they understand it, because they're gonna be like, uh, "We don't speak English. We only know." I'm sure English. somebody in the legal department does. Oh goodness! Ooh. So yeah, that's uh, that's a whole lot of a whole lot of dumb. Where you pokies, you can't poke in Pokemon Go because you, they don't want you poking children. Even though no, there is a company that does want you poking your bits with the with the Pokemans because uh, there there is a company that is making uh, Pokemon sex toys. Oh, I seen that. Oh, a and a, a fucking Bulbasaur and a Squirtle dildo and a little Pikachu butt plug. I seen <laughs> that, and I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I seen a picture and I didn't click on it. But then I seen the. I was just like, let me read the story and look at it. I'm just and I looked at it. I'm like, oh my, oh, huh? I actually went out to that company's website just to 
just to nose around and see what else was there. And the, holy crap, their shit's expensive for one. Um, but for two, I, I did giggle because they had a, uh, uh, a fucking Doctor Who sonic screwdriver dildo to boot, too. I was like, ha! But god damn, their shit's like way expensive. So, better, but that, that's going into another issue, so... Well, Larry, uh, that was our news. Um, we're going to get to here's the pitch. Then we're going to do some plugging, and then we're going to end the show. Uh, so, what's your pitch, Larry? So, years upon years ago, back in the day when I, I freelance wrote for another site that I'm pretty sure is defunct and gone, but um, if anybody out there is feeling adventurous, you can go out and try and see if any of that still exists. But and it, good luck. Uh, but in any case, um, was talking about Metroid Dread and uh, a little bit of history, which ample timing given that, you know, we're, we're celebrating uh, 30 years of awesome this week. Um, Metroid Dread was years ago. It showed up on the list of games that was supposed to be shown by Nintendo at E3 one year. And every other game on that list ended up uh, materializing in one form or another and ending up, you know, released. Uh, amongst those was, um, like, Super Princess Peach, I remember, was one right around that time uh, that was on that list. There's a handful of others that now escape me. But Metroid Dread was the only one on that list that never uh, came to fruition. And it's it's been talked about, you know, in in whispers and whatnot for years. But it was supposed to be the uh, the chronological sequel to Metroid Fusion, so that would have made it uh, Metroid Five at this point. And um, the, uh, the the dirty dirty cock teases at Retro even uh, dropped a little nugget about it and uh, snuck that into Metroid Prime Three. If you do enough nosing around on the Pirate Homeworld, there's a, a little mention about it, but. Um, I I always had this thought in my head. I'm like, okay, so I know where Fusion leaves off. You know, yes. you now got Samus stripped of her traditional power suit. And now with this, you know, Metroid DNA infused power suit and officially on the run from the Federation for what she did uh, at the end of uh, Fusion. And I, I always thought, you know, for me, it would be really cool to see where it goes from there. And I, I taking a cue very, very much from Spider-Man, um, you know, to see the, uh, the Metroid DNA take over more and more and begin to, um, really push its mutation on her suit to see more of the, uh, the physical attributes of a Metroid, you know, built into her suit, you know, like the, the shoulder buffs have kind of that translucent with the red nucleotides inside, um, you know, the the Metroid larvae have, you know, to see like the, uh, the claw, you know, fangs that they have on the bottom, you know, like on the, on the arms and shit, you know, things like that, just to see it become a, a more organic geared more towards an actual Metroid would be really cool. And to see some side effects going along with that, and maybe some new abilities where, uh, you know, she could latch onto certain enemies to drain life force from them to replenish her health 
things like that, you know, and she's now officially on the run from, uh, from the Federation, including, uh, you know, maybe even, uh, tying in one of the hunters. Um, I know they've talked about before wanting to see what the connection between Samus and, uh, Silex was um, Silex was one of the characters from Metroid Prime Hunters, and actually had a real small, tiny like if you weren't paying attention, you'd miss it cameo at the uh, ass end of Metroid Prime Three. If you got the hundred percent completion when she was leaving Alicia um, in her ship, uh, Silex's ship was chasing after her, and if I remember my backstory correctly, Silex also has an affiliation with the Federation as well. I think it would be kind of neat to see her on the run and, you know, maybe Silex hunting her down uh, for blowing up their shit uh, again um, at this point. But, you know, that's, I, I think it would be nifty. You know, she's on the run. She's also got Adam with her now as the, uh, as the AI and her, her new ship running around, um, you know, and maybe see some, some issues mid game. You know, where it's it's running to her detriment where the DNA you know, the, the Metroid DNA is taking over. Um, you know, there there's some other weird, bizarre mutations that come as a result. I just I, I think there's a, a huge avenue to explore there and uh you know, we're fucking years and years down the line and still nothing. Um, who was she raised up by? Um, I cannot think of Chozo. The Chozo. Um I kind of want to see, ooh, because I like where you're going with that. And because while you were talking, I'm just like, what if the Chozo actually made a special suit in case Salmon of something like this ever happened to Samus? Well, and I, I think, too, that might be another uh, unique avenue to go with this is, you know, her looking for the Chozo to help her because um, the Chozo were the ones ooh. that actually created the Metroids themselves. Ooh, yes. So, if you dig into the history, the Chozo were the ones that actually make, created the Metroids in the first place. So if anybody's going to know the ins and outs of, you know, their their genetic makeup and how they might be interacting with her and her armor that they made as well, you know, it would be them and, you know, her on the, on the hunt trying to find, you know, a, a last lost colony of Chozo out there somewhere in the universe. Ooh, I, you know I would, I, you know I would drive up to Indiana to be like, we need to play this together <laughs> and try to beat this in the future because I, oh, oh, that's just, I mean, because it sounds somewhat adult, um, but it's still like teen and it's, it it feels like a Metroid game because of that mutation. Now she has new powers. Like, what does that do to her old powers that she got? Like. Think of oh, exactly. Oh, go ahead. You know, and that's that. That's something that the the tail end of uh, Fusion got into as well. So. Oh yeah, I. I oh yes. Okay, I'm smiling really big. <laughs> I'm really, <laughs> I'm like, I'm loving that. Oh, Larry, awesome pitch. Really awesome pitch. Oh, I. Oh now, oh I want that now. Like I've wanted that shit for years. You're preaching to the choir, Holmes. 
Come through, NX. Come through. <laughs> That's all I can say. That's all I can say, Nintendo. Yeah, I, I'm almost convinced the fucking series is dead as much as it breaks my heart to say it. Because at this point, you know, there, there's Federation Force and then what? You know, Lord knows. I, I don't think we'll ever see Retro Studios go back to it. Um, Team Ninja, I, I don't think we'll go back to it. And at this point, Nintendo doesn't even seem to want to go back to it. I think Nintendo's it's... just waiting for the right time. I, I think because of Federation Force. Um... The right time was several fucking years ago. The right time was any time on the 3DS or, uh, you know, the uh, the Wii U would have been the, the right time, for God's sakes. You know, and we, we've already heard from uh, Kensuke that there there is no mainline uh entry in the series in the works at this point mm-hmm. uh which which is a fucking shame because you know that's that's really the only nugget that we've gotten in the last couple of years is he's talked about it and says I'd like to do something that explores that you know that connection between Samus and Silex from the end of corruption and he's like but at this point I don't have anything in the works so if anything does come, it'll be years away because we haven't even started on anything. Because they probably, you know? Got, they, you know, because I think they probably have to do like R and D, like try to get the right engine and gameplay mechanics for that uh, flesh. And hopefully, this time they learn that they got to really flesh out the story. And I think a young producer, like uh, or you know, one of the young directors, because like the people who did Splatoon, like they were very young to come create that game. I think one of them can come and probably make that, like, do you want to call it Metroid Dread as the game, as the title? I would have called it Dread at this point, as far as I know. I think that's still the official name for as much as that's worth. But, you know, like I said, that was the title that was, you know, on that that old E3 list. And like I said, everything else that was on that list way back in the day Mm -hmm. is come to fruition has been released by nintendo metroid dread was the only only name on that list that just vanished mm. okay then metroid yeah metroid dread or dread so but uh you know they they keep saying well i've got some ideas we've got some thoughts but they won't say or commit to a damn thing and they've been dodging that bullet for about ten years now, because I because I, I would say this I I don't think Team Ninja and Nintendo did a bad job with other M. It had its problems. I still it's still my 2010 game of the year because I oh enjoy- it, it has issues, but the only issues that I really had with that game were the fucking story. Yeah, you know? that's pretty much it, and it, it was because gameplay was great fun. Yeah. Like the story was going somewhere, but they put too many cliffhangers, and they really didn't. It felt like they didn't tie everything or give you actual actual solution. It was just like, uh, like there's a boss that you fought, like that construction boss that you fight. Like it, it you don't know who you actually fought. Oh yeah, yeah. The uh, the eliminator, which yeah, that's that's just random threads that just got left laying on the ground and at this point I'm convinced that somebody got partway into writing that story and went this is fucking dumb let's just not talk about this anymore pretty much yeah but but other than that I'm, I, I think Team Ninja if 
they decide to work because I don't think they're. I think Neova is the only game that they're working on. Um, but I think Team Ninja has a good relationship with Nintendo because uh, Metroid of the M people were hyped for Hyrule Warriors really sold well. So I think they could probably. I mean, the Tech Attack tournament did w- very well. Uh, the Wii U version with having characters in the Mario costumes and stuff. I I think uh, Team Ninja could. Once again, I think they could tackle the Metroid uh, series. If not, uh, no, no. I'll tell you who needs to do it. Chair. Somebody call up Chair. I, I don't care who, but somebody at the Nintendo office needs to call up the fine folks at Chair and be like, uh, "You guys, we got a job for you. Come here. Uh, here's this project. Get on it." I because never heard of this. Chair. Yes, you have, you son of a bitch. They did Shadow Complex. Are you serious? That was Chair. They did Shadow Complex. Oh. And if you if you throw back to uh, when that game debuted at E3 uh, some years ago, uh, it, it was a great debut. And they, they, they fucking called Nintendo out on the rug for it, too. They said, you know what? We've been waiting for years for Nintendo to come out with a new, you know, console 2D Metroid, and uh, it's not happened. Oh. So you know what? We did it. Here's Shadow Complex, bitches, and it was awesome. You want to know why I, I was confused by Chair Entertainment because of Epic Games name being on it, and I think Epic name uh, overshadowed Chair. Okay. Again, yeah. that I need to finish uh, the Xbox call, one. Call up the Epic Games and call up the chair people and get them on that shit right now. So, because they, they've got the formula down to a T. And Shadow Complex was phenomenal. To be given free reign to work within the Metroid license would be spectacular for them. Like, that's that's who needs to be on that right now. Oh. Oh, that's gonna be white on rice. That's gonna be hard because they got to go through Epic Games in order to work with Chair. And I'm just saying, somebody in the legal team, I can get that shit done. Pr- pretty much, done. they could. I that I believe so. Yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. You know, like I said, the these guys want it. They want this series. To, to continue, you know, and uh, they they wanted it bad enough to make a damn fine Metroid game with Shadow Complex. So, you know, mm-hmm. and, and even beyond that, they know, they, they've demonstrated with Shadow Complex, they know how to handle storytelling inside that format. You know, here's, here's a little bit here and a little bit here, but it's not overbearing, it's just snippets and... We know that you're not super invested in the story anyways. We just want to give you at least something to hang your fucking hat on while you go and you do the rest of all this cool shit that we made for you. Here you go. So they've they've really got a handle on the concept of what makes a Metroid game a Metroid game, and uh, they they need to be allowed to play with the license. Uh, Come through, chair. (laughs) Come on, Nintendo. Get Get it together. Um, I do know what I think. Probably by 2018, hopefully 2019, uh, we might see something about Metroid. I mean, they they got to do something with the series because even though it don't sell in Japan, um, I think it can sell here. 
um, and people still love the series. I think um, I, I'm always going to support the Metroid series. I, I grew up playing Metroid. You grew up playing Metroid. Um, it's one of your top series. Like, you know, you got tattoos. The, the, the beautiful chairs are from Metroid Prime 3. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Just completely amazing. That's dedication to Metroid. Like I, like I, me, I, I'm. I, I say I'm gonna buy Federation Force no matter what. I still need to download the uh, little sports demo that they have. But well, I've I've played it. I've dinged around with it. It's it's not terrible, but it really doesn't have a lot of depth, and it really does feel um like a demo. Not just that, it, it doesn't feel like there's really any substance okay. to the, the Blast Ball game. Now, granted, I suspect that it will be a little uh, a little more in-depth when you get into the actual meat and potatoes of the missions, but Blast Ball itself is a neat little distraction, but there's not enough there to really merit its existence as anything beyond a demo. Well, at least it's free. I, I grant you that. You know, it's it's nifty to dink around with, but and it, it, it controls fairly well. Um, but beyond that, it just it makes me glad that that's not what Federation Force is. At least you know, so. Yeah. So with that, everybody, that is our show. Larry, what do you have to plug? Uh, let's see. I'm on Facebook. You guys are on Facebook. Uh, we're on Facebook. Um, so there's that. Hmm. What else? Uh, clearly you're already listening to our show, but you know, plug it anyways. Guys, listen to our show. Woo. (laughs) (laughs) Most useless plug ever. Uh, Fandom Furniture. We were just talking about the wonderful chairs they did for me. Uh, Fandom Furniture out on uh, Facebook. Go check them out. Um, they they do some spectacular custom work for very very reasonable prices. You know, show uh, show your favorite series love uh, displayed all over your furniture, all over your house. Um, contact them. Reach out to them. Spectacular work. Yeah. Um, or like I said, a, a very reasonable price. Um, Again, you know, shout out, much love to the guys at Orgy, uh, Jay and them for, uh, you know, letting us use their, their awesome tunage at the beginning of our show. Um, and thank you, yeah. Emperors and uh, Elephants, for allowing us to use your song, Hit a Run. Do check them out on Facebook Hit also. Hit, yep. a, uh, uh, Hit it red, I'm sorry. Yep. Um, yeah, red. big shout out to, to all the wonderful guys at uh e and e um you know for that last week um much much love to you guys and i hope to get to see you guys around town again soon um uh, yeah i'm I'm running out of thoughts (laughs) my brain out the window okay you can email world one one at world one one podcast at gmail.com that's w-o-r-l-d one one p-o-d-c-a-s-t at gmail.com you can hear my show, Optional Opinion, and World 1-1 on SoundCloud, iTunes, 
uh, Google Play. You can hear World War One also on archive.org. So do give us a listen there. And you can hear Optional Opinion on the Anomalous Radio Network. com. Do check out the Frozen Machine and Tuna Cycle. Uh, check out the MVC Video Game Book Club, where this month we're playing Super Mario Brothers 3 for the NES. You should be able to get it for Wii U, 3DS, whatever. <laughs> if you own a, a regular cartridge, um, join our uh, Facebook page, uh, World 1 1 Podcast, uh, and interact with us. You can find our information also on there for uh, connected with us on for our video game systems. Um, check out my little story that I put on for NBC Video Game Book Club. Where I talk about uh, my adventure of finding Super Metroid. Not Super Metroid. Dang it. Now I need to play Super Metroid. <laughs> oh. Oh. I'm, I'm going to stop you for a minute. Because we, we were talking. I, I got to take it back. Because I knew there was fucking something I was going to bring up. And I didn't. Okay. Um, going back to the uh, the AM2R. Uh, there, there was a, a tease years and years ago. And it, it never came to light. Which is a shame. Because the the fucking trailer tease that they put together was spectacular, and it it was a, a project called SR three SR three eighty eight, and um, that that to me, look it up on YouTube somewhere. Um, yeah, that I remember hearing about that. Much more of the uh, the feel of what Metroid Two was. It felt a lot more ominous and uh desolate and i will throw a link up uh for what it's worth if you do a little digging around you'll find out that apparently uh the the project was pretty much dead on arrival uh and that everything that was put together in that trailer was uh never functioning in in reality which is tragic but i i still look at that trailer from time to time and go Damn it, why aren't you real? <laughs> because it was so beautiful. I, I will throw a link up on our Facebook page so you guys can check it out and you can check it out. You need to watch it. But it's just, they that trailer had everything right. Everything. It just, it, it looked like it was built more on the, um, more on the back's, uh, on the back of uh, Super Metroid's assets, but modified and tweaked, obviously. And I just, I, I wanted it to so really be a thing. And like I said, to find out that, that project was just, you know, dead on its ass. Um, stillborn is probably a better description for what happened with that project. Mm -hmm. But that was, oh God, so good. That would have been the thing that I, I really wanted to see. Not not to knock AM2R, um, you know that AM2R put so much love into this and just pushed for years to get this done. And do do go play it. Like I said, for most people, that will be a a really good way to get to to Metroid Two. It just it, it doesn't scratch that itch the right way for me personally. But again, I know I'm kind of the odd man out on that anyway. So, but yeah, I'll, I'll throw a link up to that. I just I, I didn't want to go without mentioning that, given that AM2R just happened and all that shit. But that's that for me is like looking at 
you know, broken dreams and going, oh, what could have been? Oh, sad panda. Sad Nordic. So, but yeah, there's there's that. Uh, back to plugs. Tuna Cycle, Emperors and Elephants, Phantom Furniture, Orgy. Uh, optional opinion. Yes, you you uh, do a show thing. Season 4 starts this week. Uh, um, I I cannot wait. New music, uh, good topic to discuss. Um, be talking about my video game experience over the summer. Uh, I started a backlog bash, a backlog bash blowout, and I'll let you know if I became successful or not. <laughs> That's all I can say right there. Um, you got one week to get through Metroid Two before you get here. That's uh, part of your backlog now. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Um, and also check out the Fire Emblem discussion, part one with Amanda Ruddock. And uh, part two with uh, Fuad Sakab. I do apologize for the technical difficulties for um, part one with Amanda. Uh, Google didn't want to be right. Google wanted to be a naughty uh, service. So that's why it sounds that way. Um, But thank you, everybody. Have a great week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games that you play. And we are out. Peace. Deuces.